Yes, size Gangnam Style is how we start this new edition of the Tom Green Podcast. Can you believe that it has been seven years since that song made its debut on the South Korean pop charts and on YouTube, where it was viewed over 500,000 times before our solo guest tonight got his first chance to view this amazing Psy video? Also, a shout-out to Joey's Bag of Donuts, Joe Toscano, for reminding me that it was the 7th anniversary of Gangnam Style. If you saw my tweets earlier today, I showed him a picture of Ryu and Sai saying, when Joe finds out, Tom knows, or Tom likes Gangnam Style. So that being said, bring on our guests. Like I said, he viewed it when it was at about 500,000 views. His name is the most interesting man in the world, that is... The most interesting scorecrow in the world, Johnny Black. Johnny, pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure as always. <laughs> so, yes, as we were talking off air, you saw this video at about 500,000 views, and it had only been a week, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't out that long. I know it, it caught fire really fast. I mean, that was, that was a viral video, like, almost immediately. I remember a friend of mine at work had showed it to me. And, of course, I viewed it a few more times after that, showing it to other people. And, of course, this is how videos get, go viral. But I think it's – I mean, I haven't checked it at all recently. And, like you said, it's been seven years since it came out. But I'd imagine it's got, like, two or three billion views at this point. <laughs> Amazing what, what a viral video how, – how viral a video can get. Now, I thought of Gangnam Style – not only because of the seventh anniversary of the Gangnam Style, but if you read my best and best teams of on July first article, I had referred to the strikeout by Hunjin Ryu as the Gangnam Style. <laughs> if you watch the video that I'd actually run across um, that the Scorecrow retweeted, um, this it it kind of it. It remixed Hunjin Ryu's striking out so many Diamondbacks to Gangnam Style. So I, and I, I was just applauding. I'm like, oh my god! I don't know how this. I don't know how the, I ran across this, but this is awesome. So um, let's talk. Let's start our MLB podcast about Hunjin Ryu. One point seven two ERA, best in probably the past couple years in the majors. Um, your thoughts, Johnny? He's having one of those years. I mean, we talked about it on the Too Much Podcar podcast from the Score Crow um, last week when I was on with Gio and Alex, and um, I had Ryu picked as the first half Cy Young, Cy Young Award winner. Um, no pun intended, but because um, he, he's just been he's been dominant. I know Scherzer's been incredibly dominant, like he usually is. You know, he, he at that point. When we talked about it, 
Uh, Scherzer had 180 strikeouts in like 127 innings, and I mean a 2.3 year already, which is it, which would be the best of his career. But I mean a one a sub two ERA. Uh, what he's doing, Hanjin Ryu. When we talked about it last week, I don't know how he did a, his last start. This past, I don't know if he started this weekend or not. I don't remember, but he had 99 strikeouts and 10 walks. I mean, the, the, the strikeout to walk ratio is just insane. I mean, yes, he pitches to a little more contact than Scherzer does, but if he keeps it up in the second half, a sub-2 ERA is hard to look away from. I mean, I know ERA, I know people, the analytics people look at FIP and XFIP and Sierra and all this stuff, but I look at a lot I mean, of, Russell Wilson's looking at Sierra, if we're thinking yeah, about yeah, it like right? that. <laughs> You, Johnny knows that when you're on a Tom Green podcast, I'm gonna find a zinger some somewhere in in the rants. <laughs> well, is, is her name pronounced Sierra or is it Chiara? I, I think it's Sierra. Sierra. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was thinking more Ruben Sierra. But anyway. Oh yeah, that's a good uh, one. But um, yeah, I I don't think. You know, it's hard to look at those analytics and use those so much as an MVP or a Cy Young candidate. You have to look at results. Sierra and XFIP and things like that, I think, are more predictive than anything else. And I think the results on the field have to speak to the award rather than what they should have done or they were expected to do. You know, you can't use for a hitter... If someone has an expected WOBA or an expected batting average, but their batting average and WOBA are lower than another player, well, you can't go by the expected because <laughs> it, it didn't happen. It's not reality. Yeah, I mean, it, the 2008 Tigers were... Ex- what should have happened. Yeah, the 2008 so, Tigers were expected to win the World Series. Look how that turned out. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of things expected in sports, but they don't happen. The 20... 20- so, Correct me if I'm wrong, the 2016 Nats were expected to win the World Series, or 2015? Either either or. I don't know. It seems like they're expected to win yeah. every year. But, when, 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 they, when they were going through the last couple years of Bryce Harper, it was basically World Series or bust, yeah. and they did not reach the NLCS in either year. No, they couldn't get out of the first round. They never got out of the first round. In fact, it had been, it had been like over 70 DC sports seasons now a sports season meaning like NHL season MLB season it had been over 70 sports seasons since a DC team made the semifinals of the playoffs until the 2018 Caps won the Stanley Cup (laughs) DC was struggling and some people could hang their hat on is the three Super Bowls that the Redskins won Mm-hmm. Back in Joe Gibbs days, but mm-hmm. oh, yeah. nineteen ninety one. As far as right, as far as Ryu goes, I, I, I honestly think he's he's the Cy Young Award winner this year so far. It's Scherz is a close second to me for me. I think it's basically a two man race at this point. I don't see anyone else in the National League really, you know, unless someone has a great second. But as we're talking about first half stats, I'd have to go Ryu. Ryu. Over Scherzer. If I had a vote right now, I would say Ryu. Could Scherzer eventually win it after the second half? Yes, of course. Because if Ryu has one or two blow-ups, 
uh, you you don't know if that ERA blows up and the ERA gets a little closer and Scherzer's got the strikeout lead. You know, stuff like that that makes a big difference. What's but, astonishing to me about Ryu's ERA is that he pitched he pitched in Colorado before the All Star break, and Colorado was just a different. A different park in itself. You, yeah. you say a one point seven ERA, you may you might as well double that, and there you go. There's there's his ERA, anyone's ERA in Colorado at least three plus. That 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 place is. <laughs> it, just imagine yeah. if they were to have a, a today's home run derby over there. You know how many home runs would fly out of Coors Field? <laughs> I would love for them to have an all star game in Colorado. That would be crazy. Which, speaking of the All-Star Game Home Run Derby, kind of gets us to a different topic. The All-Star Game. Now, I, the last podcast I did was an NBA one about free agency. It's, I, I've gotten busy with work and, and stuff like that. July, usually the summer is kind of a slow time for recording podcasts and stuff like that, besides MLB. I'm sure Johnny can attest to this, but... Um, <laughs> First, I gotta ask how how jealous were you that I was that close to All Star Stardom last yeah, week? Yeah, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. I'll get there. I went, you know, once my kids are all grown up and everything, you know, I'm gonna start traveling. I'm gonna do a, a, the 30, 30 cities in thirty days or whatever. <laughs> thirty clubs. MLB Networks, thirty clubs in thirty days. Previewing well, spring I'll, training. I don't know if I'll do it in thirty days, but I'll definitely do. You know, I definitely want to hit all the ballparks in the country. So that's, once I get a to be able to travel for like a couple months, you know, that's definitely like a on on my bucket list. That's you know, I've been to a few parks, but mostly in the East Coast, you know. So that's my goal as well, getting to all thirty parks, but. Um, might as well give you the bit, my bit about All Star Week, because of course those that are listening to the show know that I've got to All Star Week, and of course, if you read my article, not only did I see a lot of the sites, but I met a lot of people as well, as always. And Johnny's, of course, jealous about or jealous about that. But um, before I get into the reporters and stuff like that, it's a blast down at All Star Week. The only drawback is that tickets are expensive to to get into the park. For example, as I as I wrote in the article, futures game and all star celebrity game on Sunday, upper level ticket, face value, seventy bucks. This is for the futures game. No no current all stars. The futures game. 70 bucks upper level. Home run derby. 250 bucks face value upper level. Oh yeah, and it it was a true story like I wrote that I had I had tried to I, I tried to ask scalpers how how much you how much you want. Well, here's face value. How about 100? Anyone need extra tickets? That I mean they they were just ignoring my offer like 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 it didn't exist. It's like well, the hell and uh, Tuesday, um, unfortunately for me, um, we had a designated driver. We did some drinking, of course, like like any average American in their 20s would in All-Star City. But besides the point, Dee got tired wanted to drive home. Oh, great. Now i got to miss the red carpet on Tuesday. Oh, well, 
It happened. It's it's past. It's what it is. But besides the point, um, face value tickets for upper level at the All Star Game, three hundred. The exact amount that I had won at the casino the Friday before All Star Weekend. If you saw my tweets. <laughs> But, but yes, uh, tickets are not cheap. Now, World Series tickets are expensive. I remember back in 2012, um, Detroit Tiger World Series tickets were averaging about 500 bucks a pop. Granted, this team was good for quite a few years, but still, 500 bucks a pop for World Series tickets. <laughs> better watching it. Better watching it in Greek Town than at the than at the. At the stadium. So, any thoughts, Johnny, on uh, expensive all-star tickets? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, look at it. You know, but, it's, uh, you know, the Futures game, like, I could see myself going to the Futures game because I like prospects and I like things like that. So, I mean, I could definitely see myself, like, spending 70 bucks and, you know, sitting up a level and, like, doing something like that. But, I mean, as far as everything else goes, it's just, you know, it's insane. But it's something you do, like, you, you know, you either save up for it or you plan it out, like, a year ahead of time. Like, you know it's coming close to your city or in your city or whatever. Like, I live I live by Boston. So if the, you know, All-Star game comes back to Fenway at some point soon, then because I won't have to travel. So I don't have to spend money on the travel plane ticket or driving eight hours or whatever it may be, you know, even at that too, if it, if it ever goes to say city field or Yankee stadium, I have family down in, uh, yeah, I'm from New Jersey originally. So I have family down there, even Philadelphia, you know, I could go to the link, you know, uh, citizens bank park, I'm thinking of the Eagles, but, um, stuff like that. Like I'd be able to stay somewhere, with family or friends and not have to pay for a hotel and things like that. So those are the, those are the expenses. It's not, I understand that tickets are expensive, but if you only have to pay for the tickets and of course your food and beer and stuff like that, if you don't have to pay for travel or a hotel, then it's not quite as bad. So it seems a little more doable, but I'd have to wait until basically, like I said, it comes, you know, the All-Star Games comes back to the Northeast somewhere, then maybe I'll do it. Yeah, I was lucky to have drinking buddies that live in Sylvania, Toledo, Ohio, that his aunt, Aaron, Aaron Gosser's his name, he's been on the podcast a couple times before. He has a cousin that lives in Illyria, which is about a half hour away. As I, as I put in the Tips and Tricks article, um, it was nice to not have to go two hours, or even four if you're me, to Cleveland every day it was just a half hour drive each time exactly i mean if it was in boston i live i live 20 minutes west of fenway park so i'm right here i'm I'm like eight miles away (laughs) and yeah you had said to me you drive by fenway park every day to work or at least yeah i work in i work in for any any people in boston are familiar with boston in boston by the prudential building in uh, Back Bay. So I drive past, I take Storo Drive, I get off the Copley, by the Copley exit. And um, yeah, basically I see the Sitco sign right from Storo Drive. 
would pass by Boston University, get off there, and then go down Com Ave and make a right on Gloucester, and I'm right there, right at Prudential. So, if any of you Boston people out there, you know what I'm talking about. Gotcha. Speaking of Boston people, and yes, I got I got to bring it up on this show because it's an MLB show. Friday before All-Star Weekend, I stop in Detroit because I'm like, you know what? My buddy's working late in Sylvania. Why don't I stop at Tiger's Red Sox? So I did. I got to I talked to our I talked to Garen Austin for a little bit. And this is total Tom Green of me. But I made a sign. And if you saw the tweet, you you saw it pretty bold. Um, it says, I heart Garen. Sorry, Steve Peralt. Hashtag Tom Green standard. Now, it's I don't know what the heck is going on with this because, of course, I'm an outsider in this situation. But apparently, uh, Steve Peralt of the Section 10 podcast in Boston, uh, he and Garen Austin hung out oh, as shortly after Garen and I met in Chicago when I was in Chicago that one day. Not, not related, but besides the point. And Twitter brought it up as if they were dating. So I, so I thought to myself, oh, I got to put my play on this. And I make the sign. <laughs> and I show it to Garen. <laughs> and I, so I told her, if it's too much, I understand. She looks at it and she's like, <laughs> Tom, you're hilarious. We got to do it. <laughs> and there's how... I trolled Steve Peralt of the Section 10 podcast in Detroit. Now, here's the thing. She goes to Cleveland as well as I did. Unfortunately, I was not able to see her again in Cleveland, but besides the point, Barstool Sports Jared Carabas, who is the second part of the or the sidekick of the Section 10 podcast, is also there. So Garen decides to troll Steve herself. And says, here, here with my future ex-husband, at Jared Carabas. <laughs> so you have trolling on trolling on trolling <laughs> in this saga of who is Garen with? <laughs> We've yet to see. But if any of the Section 10 podcasts is listening, any fans, Steve, Jared, myself, if it, do, if it did get personal anyway, I certainly don't mean it. You guys are welcome on the show at any time. It would be pretty cool if the Red Sox and Cubs were to be in the World Series. We'd have a Section 10 versus Tom Green podcast debate with Garen sitting on the sidelines saying, okay, which one of you are better? <laughs> but yes, in, in, in Twitter, as you know, Johnny, lots of trolling. Am I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Internet trolls. Be careful what you fall for. Exactly. In fact, as far as I'm aware, and she tweeted this, Garen's mother was in on the Steve Peralt um, thing, too. She th- or she thought they were dating, too. <laughs> Crazy stuff out there on Twitter. But, yes, um, Boston Media, there's my, boss, my Boston story. But uh, now, <laughs> let's get to some more MLB talk as we shall say um six divisions one of them pretty much already decided the basically three questions for each division we're going to start in the al east because we're kind of on the boston topic of course the questions are what should the first place team do what should the second place team do do 
anyone from third through fifth have a chance. So we'll start there. Um, what should the Yankees do, Johnny? Yankees need another starter. That's basically all they need. Um, the, the lineup is fine, obviously. Um, they've weathered a lot of injuries this year, which is impressive. I mean, it's been the next man up. But they could use – going into the playoff, they're going to win the division. You know, it, I, don't think, I don't think it's really much of a question at this point, the way they've been playing, especially how hobbled they've been. But they could really use another starter. I mean, Tanaka's good. Paxton's great when he pitches. You know, if he can stay healthy through the second half, uh, it's always a question mark with Paxton. Um, CC solid as a fourth fifth starter. They have Hap. You know, they don't know if they're going to get Severino back. So, which is which is the problem. You know, and it doesn't look like they're going to get him back as a starter. So, having another starter there is going to be huge to take the place of Severino. Because Severino, they said already that Severino is not going to start throwing again for another six weeks, which means we're talking about the beginning of September. Now, once he starts throwing again, they got to stretch him out and everything. Are you going to let him go through a couple starts and then throw him into like a game two of a playoff game? Like, you know what I mean? If he's even so, eligible, is that I would have to ask: Is that rule still? Does that rule still apply? Do you don't you have to place or be in the lineup healthy for so many games to be playoff they eligible? Well, they can put him on a twenty. I mean, if they feel he's going to come back in a week or so, they can put him on a twenty-five man roster on August thirty-first. I mean, that's not a big deal. They can okay. work around it. Okay. You know, like that's not. Yeah, as long as it, as long as you're on a twenty-five man roster on on August thirty-first, then you're eligible for the playoffs. Or at any time before that, obviously during the season. But um, and I think Severino didn't Severino pitch in the beginning of the year or no? On. Um... I don't think I don't think so. I think we were talking about how he was hurt, he was inconsistent. How is he going to come back? And he still hasn't. Right. So I mean, like I said, they could bring him up August thirty first, put him on the twenty five man roster for a day, and then send him back down. I mean, it's you know, there's ways around it. I I personally think they use Severino as a bullpen piece in the playoffs. I mean, get you know, don't stretch him out. Let him just throw the one inning, two innings, three innings here and there, and use him as that that type of piece. Like, kind of like what Boston did last year with Eovaldi, because Eovaldi had the injury history and stuff like that. And going into the playoffs, they already had Sale, Price, Porcello, and whatever you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Eovaldi shined last year, and he won himself a four-year, sixty-eight million dollar contract this year. So I mean, something like that with Severino, I can see the Yankees doing. But if that's the case, then you go into the playoffs where you're starting three, your top three basically being Tanaka, Paxton, and are you going to trust Hap or Cece? Domingo Herman? I mean, what do you do with number three? So I think the main thing for them is to get an established starting pitcher in there. So okay. that, that their move, definitely. Gotcha. Yeah, as for the Yankees... Um Next year starts the 20s, the roaring 20s, if you want to call it that, if we're referring back to the 1920s. But if we think about the 20s, 
Most chicks think about the great Gatsby and try to guess dress all Gatsby like. For me, what do I think of? I think of Murderer's Row in the 20s. And look what the Yankees lineup is becoming this year, a year before the 20s. Next man up, seemingly Murderer's Row. So <laughs> they could probably afford to trade one of those pieces. Um, my thought is, and I could be way out there, but maybe a Glaber Torres or um, Ronald Torres. Um, I don't. This is the thing. I don't think they're getting rid of. They're not getting rid of Torres or Sanchez. I think those okay. two guys are basically untouchable. Okay. And to get someone, to get someone who's got years of control. See, Bumgarner makes a perfect fit for the Yankees because he's got playoff experience. I know he's older now, twenty nine, but he's got a lot of mileage on his arm. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. The thing with him is that he's. His contract's up at the end of the year. So he's a rental. He's a rental? That's exactly what the Yankees could use. The only thing with that is, what did the Yankees give up? Oh, some breaking news. Breaking news from The Athletic just came to my phone. Royals trade Maldonado to the Cubs. Catcher. Really? Really. It just swung across my phone as you were speaking there. So breaking news from the... Tom Green, Cubs, and Joey Ricotta desk. Cubs acquire Maltia Martin Maldonado from the Royals. We've still yet to hear who exactly for, but once again, just like when, um, if you've listened to the show prior, when DJ Durkin got fired from Maryland officially, we broke that here on the Tom Green set. Now we're breaking the Cubs acquiring Martin Maldonado from the Royals on set. Wow. Definitely, because they have two cat two ready catchers in um, Wilson Contreras and Victor Caratini. So now you've got now you've got Maldonado. That's your third catcher. So um, that's an interesting. Like I don't understand why they would do that. You know, I'm start. I'm starting to think. Okay, um, maybe maybe for the bat. I don't know. I. It's it's hard to say right now because that divi- that division uh, that division's crazy. But we'll get to that um, here in just a second. So uh, we've um, so I did basically answer acquire a starting pitcher like a mad bomb. Uh, we basically answered the question of do third through fifth have a chance. We said no. So um, what should the Rays do uh, to try to try to catch the Yankees if not wild card? Well, the Rays could use another bat. Although they they called up Nate Lowe from Triple uh, A, and he's been he's been on fire. So they have some pop from the first base spot. They have the presumptive rookie of the year in Brandon Lowe or Lau. I think he wants to be called Lau, although it's spelled the same as Nate Lowe. But anyway, um, they could use another bat. They have they have some nice pitching. Uh, Frank, I think it was Frank Amarante today, did a, no, it was, um, it was Mike Simeone, SP streamer on Twitter, did an article today, a uh, deep dive article for the Scorecrow on uh, Yanni Chirinos, who has been great okay. this year as a starter for the Rays. I mean, they just turn out starting pitching. It's unbelievable. I mean, Snell is going to improve. He's, he's not as bad as a five-year, right? I mean, he's not going to have a sub-2 ERA like he did last year. 
but he's better than what he's been. You know, he's that value pitcher that you got to get on DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they they had the pitching. I mean, could they, could anyone use starting pitching? Yes, of course. Especially when you're hitting the playoffs, you could always use more pitching. But never, you know. But I think Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay needs a bat more than anything else. I mean, because the outfield, eh, you know, Kimmeyer, Kimmeyer is there for mostly his glove because he's an excellent center fielder. But I mean, they could definitely use they could definitely use some pop in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, Kev, um, Kevin Cash has turned this Rays. The Rays abysmal pit of a stadium into a cash flow of hitter of pitchers, that is. Um, here we go. It's flashing across MLB. Cubs acquire Maldonado from the Royals in exchange for Mike Montgomery. Breaking news. Montgomery for Maldonado. Interesting coming out of the north side. But going back to um going back to the Rays, um maybe this is just me, but <laughs> Could they pull some voodoo magic again and trade Blake Snell for three prospects and one and two of them turn out awesome right away? Now, of course, that's crazy talk. But this that's exactly what they did last year with Chris Archer, if you think about it. Yeah, but Snell was better than Archer. Oh, definitely, definitely. Archer, I, you know, they got lucky as far as with Archer because the, the guys they got back were uh, – Pittsburgh shot themselves in the foot with that. <clears throat> you know, they're not trading Snell. No. So he's the race. Yeah, I, I wouldn't but recommend it either. Archer was kind of the race, but Archer is nowhere close to Snell. Yeah, so. I, I just threw it out there because that's pretty much what exactly happened last year with the race. But um, yeah, if you're going to trade somebody, I guess trade prospects for a bat and hope that, that somehow the Yankees get hurt again. That's the only way the race can win the division. As far as wild card... They can pretty much lock it up, but they still have to. They still have to get there. Yeah, it's tight with the wild card because the A's have crept up after they started off slow. The A's have crept up, and Cleveland's still in it. Cleveland's still in the mix. Mm-hmm. So the wild cards will be interesting. So going to the Amer- American League Central now, um, basically a two horse race between Minnesota and Cleveland. Um, what should the Twins do? And no, they're not perfect, Johnny. Come on now. No. No. <laughs> they need a starter. I had, I had joked in the uh, June article that Johnny was disappointed that they had a loss. So. Yeah. <laughs> they, they need a starter, or two, actually. Odorisi just came back from the, from the Angel list. Um, Barrios has been good, but not nice. He's been good and solid. And Martin Perez is taking a step back. You know, he he was lights out in the beginning of the year, as, as was Odorisi, but I knew they were both going to regress a little bit, which they have. Mm-hmm. Pineda is the ultimate. You never know what you're going to get from him. He strikes out 16 guys one game, and then the next game he gives up six home runs in the first two innings. I was going to say 16 home. runs. <laughs> but you never know what you're going to get from him. Maybe he's just like that. That's the way he is. You know? So, mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson's been fairly solid. 
but they need they need a shutdown guy. They, they need to, and and the thing with the Twins is they have prospects. They have a lot of them. Now I don't want to see them give up guys like Royce Lewis, Alex Kirilov, or Trevor Larnick. You know the top three, but you know. They, they, they're going to need to make a move. If you're going to give up one of those guys, I don't want to see you be a rental for Bumgarner. I want to see you give up one of those guys for, say, a Syndergaard, who's got two more years of control left, or someone like that. I don't want to see him give, give up a top-notch prospect for a rental like Bumgarner or a Wheeler. I'd rather them give up, if they're going to give up a Royce Lewis or an Alex Kirilov or someone like that, I'd rather see them give it up for a pitcher that has control for the next couple of years. And then we can slot in at the one or two spot with Barrios. But we'll see. But they need starting pitching. The bullpen has been pretty solid. You know, they, they have a bunch of guys in the bullpen. So, I mean, it's kind of kind of mix and match. And Baldelli's done a great job in his first year as manager using the analytics and mixing and matching his pitchers, Taylor Rogers, Hildenberger, Trevor May, like all these guys. You know, and the hitting is off the charts. Jorge Polanco is broken out this year. Eddie Rosario is doing his thing, although he's hurt. Max but Kepler against Max Trevor Bauer? Unbelievable, yeah. He owns Trevor Bauer. He had two home runs against him the other day. <laughs> Which so, I, I mean, the hitting is no problem. And Nelly Cruz just keeps doing what he does. He's 38 years old. He still hits 30 home runs every year. Like, he just keeps doing what he does. And they're get, they're getting the Angels CJ Crone as well. Yeah, they getting the yeah they getting the CJ Crone. They didn't make the same mistake. You know, it wasn't the same thing as Logan Morrison. You know, which was I was worried about Logan Morrison in two thousand seventeen. Thirty eight home runs for the Rays, and then we signed them last year, and the guy was a bum. You know, so CJ Crone goes off and his thirty home runs last year. We signed him this year. I was like, oh great, this is gonna be another Logan Morrison, but it hasn't been. So that's been good. You know, and the catching situation is incredible. I mean, Jason Castro is one of the best defensive catchers in the game. He's got great eye, walks a lot. He's got some pop from the left-hand side, too. And um, he's on the last year of his contract. But Mitch Garver has come up and hit well. Defensively, you could use a little work, but he's hit really well. So they're getting a lot from the catcher position. Like I said, Ori Polanco has been great. Jonathan Scope. You know, after an off year last year, you know, he was with Baltimore, then he got traded to Milwaukee. It was a bad year for him. But people forget that he had 30 home runs a couple of years ago. Kid plays every day. So, I mean, the lineup is no problem with the Twins. I pick another starter or two. We'll definitely put them in the conversation. Because right now, the Twins are the ugly stepchild of the Astros and the Yankees at this point. Because right now, the Twins, I don't think the Twins are going to have a shot against either one of those teams in the playoffs. But if the Twins get a top-notch starter or two, I think they can definitely make some noise in a short series. Yeah, Because I, I think their lineup, the way they've been playing all year long so far, I think their lineup can match up against anybody's lineup. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, um, the AL Central has always been uh, doubted when it comes to the postseason. And 
Of course, the last time the AL Central won the World Series was the Royals in 2015. Um, but before that, it was the White Sox in 2005. So the AL Central has been doubted in the, pro- in the postseason, and seemingly rightfully so. So for the Twins, they're not so much thinking about winning the division. They're thinking about a step further than that in their trades. Now, can they do it this year? Probably not. But looking down the road... That's what the Twins should be looking at, and you had outlined it pretty clearly. No rentals, because anyway, I can get a rental at Family Video. I can't get a, I, I can get a better rental at Family Video than I can for the Minnesota Twins right now. So <laughs> yeah. um, get someone that has two or three years of control, i.e. a Noah Syndergaard, or we talked about it before, and I doubt this will happen, but perhaps a Matt Boyd. Um, but for Detroit, that really seemingly wouldn't make too much sense. But anyway, point being, get someone with control that can help your starting rotation. Now, the rotation is good. Um, it's it's good, not great, I guess, I, I guess as we'll say. Um, Odorizzi has seemingly been the ace if we look at ERA. Barrios has done well. <clears throat> and, of course, Pineda is always up and down. So as far as the Twins, I think they're looking more at playoffs rather than this division. They probably think they have it locked up. But how can Cleveland, the second-place team, make things interesting? Cleveland's, Cleveland's in a tough spot because they don't really have any prospects to give up. Um, but they don't – they're not in a position they're, – they're, they're in that middle zone of are we going to be sellers or buyers at the deadline because they're – the Twins just took two out of three from Cleveland this weekend. So mm-hmm. – the Indians are seven and a half games out, um, but they're in the thick of the wild card race. But of course, they have Bauer, who's got another year of control, and Kluber, who's got another two years of control. They still have Clevenger, they have Bieber, Zach Plesac. They have starting pitching. There's no doubt. Their lineup leaves a little to be desired, aside from Lindor, Jose Ramirez, who has actually come on lately. And Carlos Santana, who came back home this year and has been tearing it up. He's changed his evil ways. Yes. Yes, he has. But um, he's, other than those three, it's hard to look at that lineup and be scared. You know, their lineup doesn't compare. Yes, their pitching is, but if their pitching's not on, and Bauer has been up and down this year. But he hasn't been the ace that he was last year. And Kluber was hurt. Kluber was broken on. You know, he'll be back. Uh, and I think he'll be fine. But he was, he also took a step back last year, too. He so realized think, he wasn't the Clue bot. Yeah. No. But the funny thing is, when he broke his arm, like, he didn't even flinch. Like, like he didn't even make a face, nothing. Like, it was unbelievable. The guy has a broken forearm, and it doesn't matter. T- <laughs> like, yeah. Tito is asking Kluber, how's, how's it going, man? How's it going, Corey? Oh, yeah. no big deal. Just got a broken arm. I can deal with it, though. Yeah, I'll shake it off. You know, <laughs> put some dirt on it. <laughs> how's, it but, how's it going, Trevor? Oh, no big deal. I just cut my finger with a drone. I'm going to try to start, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Cleveland's strength is their starting rotation. Yes. And like we were talking about, like what you said about the Yankees, their strength is their lineup. So maybe you take a piece from that and you build up the other part. So Cleveland's on the opposite spectrum. Cleveland's starting staff 
So they take a Trevor Bauer and trade him. That's been the, uh, that was a lot of the talk around Cleveland when I was there. Was do they trade Bauer? Do we do that? We should we keep him? Should we keep the prospects? Should we not? They're they're in. I guess uh, like I had said about the Detroit Pistons in my draft, they're they're seemingly in purgatory. It's just what what <laughs> what do sell? Do you sell or buy at this point when you're Cleveland? Because you're in the wild card mix, but you're probably not going to win the division. And if so, and if you look at Twitter, um, whatever you do is going to be wrong by someone. Of so, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, Cleveland's a tough. Cleveland's in a tough spot at this point because, like I said, first of all, they don't have a lot of prospects in the minor leagues. They also don't spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, looking at, but they also are in it this year. And they also have Bauer for another year and Kluber for another two. So they're not forced to trade these guys. If one of them was like, you know, if one of the contracts was up at the end of the year, then yes, you would trade him, obviously. Then get something for him before he walks in free agency. They're not in that position with either one of those top guys. So they don't have to trade anybody. They could stand pat. Yeah, and, and the thing is with Cleveland, because they have a Bieber in their rotation, there's one less lonely girl on the streets of Cleveland. <laughs> as far as my thoughts on the Indians, um, standing pat might be the right thing to do here because if you trade Bauer, you you trade Bauer, you get probably someone ML. You probably get a bat that's MLB ready and two prospects. Whoopee, two more prospects. We just lost one of our starting rotation, and our bullpen is very iffy. You keep Bauer. Okay, we did nothing. How does this help? You trade prospects. Oh, my God, our our prospect bin is empty. We have to win now. So it's it's hard to say. I guess I guess standing pat would be the right thing to do. Um, AL West. Um, Houston seems to be in a commanding lead. Um is there any way Oakland or Texas comes back and makes this interesting? No. No, Houston's the best team in the division. They have the best team. And they, 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 they're another team that's, you know, that's stacked with prospects that they can move for a pitcher to go with Cole and Verlander. See, that's exactly what they did for Garrett Cole just a couple yeah. seasons ago. And they can do the same thing. I mean, they brought up this, the kid you're done Jordan, actually Jordan, as he wants to be called, Jordan Alvarez has been killing the ball. They still have Kyle Tucker sitting in the minor leagues. The guy's got like nowhere to play, you know, and he's a top-notch prospect, outfield prospect. You know, they could package, and they have a couple of guys. They have Bakuskas and Forrest Whitley, a couple pitching prospects that they can move. So if they package like a Kyle Tucker and a Forrest Whitley, they could get a top-notch pitcher. Like a Syndergaard, like a, like someone like that to go with Berlanda Cole. I mean, that's lights out right there. I could you know, see Bumgarner. I could see Sicaretti. I mean, you look at you look at the lineup with Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Springer, Gurriel, Brantley that they brought on this year. I mean, their lineup is crazy already. They they have probably the most complete. They could use a little bullpen help, but when you come to the playoffs. 
you got Peacock in the bullpen, and you could throw some of those backhand starters in the bullpen. I, you know, they they'll, they'll mix and match. They made it work a couple of years ago and won the World Series. So the pitching, if they get one more starter, that's a top notch starter to go with Cole and Verlander. Everyone else is in the bullpen for the playoffs. So if they can do that, I think Houston could probably win the American League. I don't think Oakland's catching them. I think Oakland could. I think Oakland could win, could get a wild card spot. But I don't see overall Oakland, Cleveland, or the Rays, the three teams that are in the wild card race basically right now. I don't even count the Texas Rangers because I don't think they have enough. Um, but the three other teams that I mentioned, if any of those teams make it, I don't think any of those teams beat the Twins, Yankees, or Astros. The way that Texas gets in is if they acquired Chuck Norris from the free agency pool. Yeah, basically, it's gonna have to, he's going to have to kick everyone's ass. <laughs> like only Chuck Norris can. Um, yeah. I could see Bumgarner being a very good fit for Houston because you're looking at you got loaded prospects. You could give two prospects to the Giants easily and get Bumgarner on a rental, just like yeah. Verl- Verlander was a rental that stayed and – He's just been dominant. Yeah. I could see him trading Tucker and um, like a pitcher and maybe a lower minor leaguer. San Francisco needs to build up their their organization. So I could see them trading. They're going to want an outfielder. Kyle Tucker, perfect fit. They're going to want a pitcher. Bakuskas. That's fine. And they'll probably want another lower minor leaguer, like a rookie A guy, like an 18-year-old prospect, you know. And I think that might get it done for a rental. There you go. an outfielder who can play in the major leagues right now. Kyle Tucker is major league ready, basically. Mm -hmm. So San Francisco can plug him in with Duggar in center field and have someone there. But Kuskis is basically major league ready. So... They get rid of Bumgarner. They put Pakuskas in at the end of the year. They still have Samarja, I think, for another year. Cueto will be coming off Tommy John next year. I mean, so, you know, it doesn't – it helps San Francisco a little bit. San Francisco's got to rebuilt. But aside from that, yeah, I can see that working. And Bumgarner going there with Verlander and Cole. Yeah. I can see it. Just make sure you run – when you hit a home run off of them. Yeah, don't stand there and look at it for like more than a second. <laughs> you don't like it? Just get get the ball out of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Which, speaking of get the ball out of the ocean, because it'll be a quick topic, NL West, we pretty much know who the division winner is going to be. I had hinted that the Dodgers were going to go on a cold streak at some point. It kind of is right now, but it was been separated by the All-Star break. But it reminds the Dodgers that, yeah, you got even you, the super team that you are, got to get a piece too. What should they get? Uh, they could use probably another bullpen piece or two. But other, other than that, I mean, every, like I said, everyone could use pitching, so another starter could always help. But I don't see them moving anybody major. I see them moving some some younger pieces for another bullpen piece, like an experienced bullpen piece. You know, something like that. 
like if you look at some of the bullpen pieces that some of these teams that are out of it have, like even like your boys, the Tigers, like Shane Green or something mm-hmm. like that. Like I can see something like that going down, but I don't see the Dodgers making any major moves. They're the best record in baseball. They're, they're pretty much set. Their lineup set. I have nothing to do with their lineup. They're not moving anybody. I mean, Verdugo has stepped in well. Jock Peterson's been great. Clay Bellinger. Uh, Clay Bellinger. Figured his father. Cody, Cody Bellinger. Bellinger. Uh, Cody Bellinger is like an MVP candidate. I mean, there's no... You know, Max Muncy's doing his thing. Justin Turner. Corey Seager. You know, I don't, I don't know where you put anybody. Even if you trade for someone in the lineup, like, where do you put them? You know, unless you're getting a stud. But... No one's trading that. So, I don't know what they do. I would say that maybe some relief help or a starter so they can move a starter or two like to the bullpen when they get to playoffs. But other than that, I just don't really have much to do. That division wrapped up. I mean, was Colorado like 15 games out? I mean, it's not yeah. close. Arizona is in second place, 14 and a half games back. It's not even close. So, they don't have to worry about anything right now. Just don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, just let the rest of the guys. Wait, with Ryu and Kershaw? What more do you, I mean, you know, Walker Bueller? Like, what more do you need? Like, well, Bueller. Even if you trade for Bueller. a start, what start are you going to trade for that's going to take one of those spots in the playoffs? Nobody's taking Kershaw's huh. spot. Ryu, the year he's having, no one's touching that. And probably no one's taking Bueller's third spot. So even if, why would you trade for a starter when you're not even going to play the guy in the playoffs as a mm-hmm. starter? There's no point in giving a prospects for that. Mm-hmm. Well, so, the only guy that could replace Bueller is Ben Stein. Bueller. Bueller. Fry. Bueller. Fry. Bueller. But yeah, as I had as I had written in my best June and July articles, it's. It tells you how t- how good your team is when Clayton Kershaw is an afterthought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can do it without him. Yeah. At this point, like, you know. And it's I, funny with Kershaw because his demise has been so, like, everyone's talking about him going downhill and everything like that. The guy is still an awesome pitcher. Yeah, I think Ryu's just gone way uphill. He's just had the 1.70 ERA. Injury. Yeah. As long as Ryu doesn't get hurt, that's been Ryu's problem his career is injuries. If he Imagine if he didn't get injured at all. Well, he's still on Maeda, too. So. Yeah, Kenta Maeda is in very well as, as well. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like The, the Dodgers don't need anybody. They're the one team that really is just tweaking. And like I said... They could probably use another bullpen arm. But what's that going to cost them? Two 19-year-olds? I mean, it's not really going to... You know, a team a team that has a decent bullpen arm that's kind of out of it, they'll trade a bullpen arm for some organizational depth. And that's basically probably where the Dodgers are going to go. Mm-hmm. So as for my thoughts on how the Dodgers are. Um, basically, the only thing they need is for Johnny to 
stand about 500 feet away from Kenley Jansen, directly behind him, and steal the sign so that when the Cubs play him, the Cubs know what they're doing. <laughs> well, it would help anybody. <laughs> back on track and, you know. Because that, that was kind of freaky that Jansen intentionally balked to get the runner to third so that he couldn't steal the signs. Yeah. Well, smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's an ex-catcher, don't forget, Kenley Jansen. He oh. came up as a catcher. He was a catcher in the minor leagues. Oh, wow. He couldn't hit. But they, they threw him on a mound, and they realized he threw like 97 miles an hour. They were like, well, maybe we should try something different. And it's kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, he was a catcher in the minor leagues. <laughs> Kenley Jansen. Catcher turned closer, Kenley uh-huh. Jansen. So he knows... From behind the plate, how the guys on second base like move around to steal signs and show. So that's pretty smart on his point. Mm-hmm. Emily Jansen's not a stupid guy. <laughs> He's been <laughs> around the league a little while. So, <laughs> you know. So there you go. The Dodgers, Dodgers just have everything set. On to the National League East. The Braves, which I had predicted in our. Our March show, I think it was, to win the division, are doing just that, to your surprise. Um, Fun story. Um, Another one of the many reporters I met out in the All-Star game was Kelsey Wingert, who, of course, I had shouted her out for her birthday the last time we did a show. Um, And I had had straight up told her our story about um, the Ronald Acuna Jr. German... um, knight in shining armor thing when I did that with Bruce Cagle Jr. <laughs> they need that they need that third catch third set of catcher's gear for when Ronald Acuna Jr. comes to the plate. So that when he gets hit, there you go, catcher's gear. He's all set, protected. I left him speechless. <laughs> oh you were asking me something. Sorry. Okay, but yes, I I told her I told her about the around Acuna Jr. situation there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now I will ask, what should the Braves do at the deadline? Oh, Braves are another team that need a starter. Um, you know their lineup is pretty solid with Albies and Freeman and Acuna. You know, Marquette is having a decent year. McCann's back at home. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, Donaldson's been good for the one year they're paying him this year. I mean, the, the Braves have actually surprised me because I didn't pick the Braves to win a division. I picked the Nationals, and I thought the Braves were going to fall. And the Stony pitching has a little bit. Fultonavich, Newcomb, these guys have fallen off a little bit. But they signed Keiko. So that was a big deal for them, you know. He's been he's been decent for them in his few starts. Um, I, I still like the Nationals in that division, um, but I can see the Braves maybe holding on, maybe. But they they could use they could use bullpen help, and they could use pitching. They could probably use another bat too. I just don't know where they put them. Good points indeed. Um, yes, the Braves, the Braves starting pitching has faltered just a little bit, 
But, I mean, even Sor- Soroka is another one that's kind of gotten them back on track. Signing Keiko was huge. Yeah. Um, Soroka's good. Yeah. Uh, Fulton has, I think, has been sent down once, if I'm not mistaken. So, they've, they've definitely realized that starting pitching is a need at this trade deadline, and perhaps trading a bat might might be the might be the case but um they they may need a bat as well freeman has done well acuna has done well uh stansby swanson another one we haven't mentioned has done yeah. well as well so a starter and a bat sounds sounds about right for atlanta so um uh what since you're so enthused with the nationals what should they do to try to catch the braves they need bullpen. This has been their yes. for the past two years. They need bullpen. Everybody help. has thought Detroit's bullpen was terrible, and it is. But Washington's is that much worse. Yeah, it's just horrible. They've always been horrible. Like, this is what's killed them the past few years is the bullpen. I, I, I just don't know how they can fix it. Like, they just need to get. I'm surprised that you. I'm actually. I was thinking of them as being the one team that would sign Kimbrell because that's what they need. I mean, Doolittle is fine when he is healthy. He get, you know, he's all right. But, I mean, they have nothing. They have nothing. And you can't expect Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg to pitch seven, eight innings every game. I mean, Scherzer's a workhorse, but we all know Strasburg's injury history. And Corbin had a great year last year, but... You know, he's also been injured in his past. So you can't expect these guys to do that. Especially, we've seen it in the playoffs. What works? What did Houston do two years ago? You know, the starters pitched in the bullpen. Same thing with Boston last year. Yep, Chris Sale ended, yeah. ended that World Series. Yeah, well, Eovaldi was one of the main guys in the bullpen. So and and that's another topic is what's got to be the motivator for the Dodgers is that two straight seasons the commissioner's trophy was handed out on your home turf and it was handed out both times to the other team. Yeah. <laughs> that's got to be just demoralizing for not only the players as well as the fans. They they got to be thinking this year's the year and as as far as as far as I'm concerned, as a as a tiger and a cubby, I hope it's I hope it's never the year. I hope the cubbies take it this year, like every year. But <laughs> that's. Well, I want to mention one thing about the Nationals too, is yeah. that all these fans, like everyone who was all over them, has got to have it because they, like I said, they started off 19 and 31 in their first 50 games. They've gone 30 and 12 in their last 42. This is what the Nationals could be. 30 and 12 in their last 42. That's pretty impressive. I mean, this is what the Nationals should be doing. Because talent-wise, they are up there with the Dodgers. As, and I think they're better than every other team in the National League, aside from the Dodgers, talent-wise. <laughs> be careful. And You're on this podcast. Cubs, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing is, too, like I saw all things on Twitter, obviously, with the Yankee fans and stuff. Like, people were starting to drop things like, oh, what would the Yankees give up for Scherzer? Why do you think the Nationals are trading Scherzer? 
They're not trading Scherzer. Like, I don't understand where this all came from. And it got so big. Like, everyone was talking about it on Twitter. Like, you know, what could we, what, what would we have to give up for Scherzer? Especially the Yankees fans and stuff like that on Twitter. Like, what would we have to give up for? The Nationals aren't trading Scherzer. And I even said to someone, I said, the only way that the Nationals trade Scherzer to the Yankees, the discussion starts with either Gleyber Torres or Gary Sanchez. It starts there, and it'll include probably four other players. Because Scherzer still has two more years of control left. He's one of the best, arguably the best pitcher in the major leagues at this point. I would think Severino might be a part of that. Just my, just one man's opinion. Who was that? I would think Severino would be a part of the deal. Severino might be part of that. I mean, we're talking Torres, Severino. You're probably talking Floreal. Maybe Abreu. Like, you, you got to give up a lot for Scherzer. And, you know, if the Yankees are looking to win now, Floreal, I think... I, I, I think the Yankees are too high on Florida. And I think they should trade him now because his prospect status is huge. I don't think he's going to succeed in the majors, but that's my opinion. Um, Frazier? Rishoni can hit. He can't field, so I don't know if you trade him to a National League team. And the Nationals don't really need outfield help. You know, but do you trade... Do you trade someone like a Chad Green? Or Dylan Patances or Zach Britton or someone like that. Like one of your bullpen pieces, too, because that's what the Nationals need. But even at that, why would they trade Scherzer? <laughs> why would they get rid of him? Yeah, they're... As it stands right now, the Nationals are the first wild card team. Why would they get rid of their race? <laughs> what's, the, what's the point of that? They... You know, so it's not happening. So I just wanted to mention that yeah. when we were talking about the Nationals. It's a simple thing called hashtag baseball Twitter. <laughs> like I had said um, in the April podcast for our season preview, like baseball Twitter thought the Orioles were the best team in baseball and they thought the Yankees stunk. Well, obviously <laughs> we've proven that wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, the Nationals need a bullpen. I mean, they don't, they, they don't even have a bull let alone a pen to put the ball yeah, in. That's that's how bad the bullpen is. I mean, at least Detroit has the pen to put the ball in. The Nats don't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> Phillies are in it. Phillies are still in the thick of things. Eight and a half back. Losing yeah, Herrera for the season for domestic violence. The National League is going to be interesting but, for the wild card. Because there are a yes. bunch of teams in the thick of it for that. I mean, you get the Diamondbacks who are at 500. Rockies are only two games under 500. Padres are three games under 500. Phillies are two games over 500. The Brewers are one game over 500. Cardinals are two games over 500. They're all within like two games of each other. You got like five teams. So this gonna, is going to be a wild trade deadline for the National League. It is going to be wild because I'm interested to see who's buyers and who's sellers in the National League. Mm-hmm. The American League is pretty much set so to speak. And we mm-hmm. kind of knew that going in. You know, we, we saw the Yankees-Red Sox raise, maybe. And then we saw the Twins-Indians in the Central, and we saw Houston basically running away with it in the West. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of 
the AL is playing out the way we thought it would. The NL is kind of playing out the way I thought it would too, as far as being just everybody jumbled up. That's the way it's playing out because a lot of teams are jumbled up in that wild card mix. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, let's go to the wild, wild National League Central Division. Every other division has a lead of at least six games. Cincinnati, who is in last place in the National League Central, is only six and a half games back of the first place Chicago Cubs. That is how wild the National League Central is right now. What a huge, huge sweep by the Chicago Cubs this weekend over the Pittsburgh Pirates. As I had said on Twitter, it was the Battle of the Joeys. Ricotta sweeps the bag of donuts. He he basically took the bag of donuts and ate it like it was like it was a bowl of cereal. That's basically how how huge that sweep was for the Chicago Cubs. Besides the point, besides my Cubs fandom, um <laughs> First of all, who's going to win this division and what what should they do? <laughs> Well, looking at it, I picked the Cardinals in the beginning of the season, actually. And, of course, I kicked you off the show because of that. But yes, that's you shut me down immediately. <laughs> um, I picked the Cardinals in the beginning of the season. I got to stick with it because I picked them in the beginning of the season, just like I'm sticking with the Nationals. Mm-hmm. But Cardinals are right there, two games out. Um, I think the Cardinals have... Although Jordan Hicks now down, that hurt the bullpen a lot with him going down. It's Tommy John. But um, I still think the Cardinals can make a move for a bullpen piece, a closer. Um, Matt Carpenter's had a horrible year. Goldsmith hasn't lived up quite to like, what he did in Arizona. He's Bronze Schmidt right now, yeah. not Goldsmith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But. Um, I still think the Cardinals could turn it on. I mean, they still have the pieces there. Colton Wong's had a good year. Paul DeJong's had a good year. Um, Goldschmidt's been solid, if not all-star caliber. Um, but I think he can turn it on. Turn it on. Marcelo Zuna has had a good year, and he's in a contract here. So I can see him turning on in the second half. The lineup, the lineup's good. Maybe not quite what the Cubs are, but I can still I still see the corner of the division. If they get if they can get their bullpen figured out and if starting staff gets some consistency, I think you know, Carpenter can turn it on. We've seen Carpenter do this before too. Well, all this is later in the year, but he gets on a hot streak and you can't get him out. So I don't know. I still, I still think the Cardinals can do it. The Cubs getting Kimbrough was big. Yes. You know, I think he needs to get his legs under him a little bit, but I think he's, you know, he's exactly what they needed. The Cubs need to do this this year and next year because they're going to be losing everybody. And then, yeah, and then baseball gets less interesting for me when they lose everybody. But <laughs> well, they'll still be around. But oh yeah. I mean, you know, Lester's another year older. I mean, what, has he got one more year on his contract? Something like that, yeah. 
No, Hamels is gone next year. You still got Darvish, but you know who knows. Darvish has yet to win. Darvish. Yeah, Darvish has yet to have a winning decision at Wrigley Field. Yeah, you never know what happens. Yeah, the Cubs have won oh, games with right. Darvish on the mound, but Darvish has yet to pick up the W at. And he has yet to fly the W at Wrigley. You were talking about the professor as well. Continue. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks is solid. I mean, he's still got him for a couple of years. But, I mean, what it is, too, with the Cubs, we saw over the past few years all their prospects come up. Now their young hitting prospects came up, and they paid for their starting pitching. Lester, Hamels, Darvish, you know. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna we're seeing the end of that window. Now we're gonna see what they can do with the rest of their guys because they traded some of their guys, Eloy Jimenez, Flavor Torres, other pieces, you know. So now they have no more prospects coming up. You know, a couple of years ago they had Eloy Jimenez coming up, Flavor Torres, Ian Happ, Albert Amora. Kyle Schwarber, like all these guys were like yeah. funneling into the major league system. Chris Bryant, like all yeah. these guys were coming in. Javi Baez, like all this stuff. Now they're all here, and they either are here on the Cubs or they got traded away for other pieces to win them that World Series. Now it's like okay, now the good guys that are still here, they're going to want to get paid in a couple of years, mm-hmm. and the pitching is getting old. And the prospects have dried up. Boy, so, yeah. you know, it's the window. The window's closing on the Cubs. Boy, is it getting bigger and bigger every year that the Cubs have, did win that World Series. Because imagine had imagine had they come up short. Yeah. Madden could probably be fired by now because of the expect because of the expectations of the club, which I think is silly. If you saw, I got into a I got into a Twitter argument, um, and Ricotta was on my side with a couple other guys on Twitter wanting wanting uh, Madden fired. I'm like, they're gonna have to miss the playoffs this year and next, and then we will talk. <laughs> Do you realize that Madden has won this club a World Series, something that we've waited 108 years for? Yeah, yeah, he's got a long leash. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I don't think Theo is firing him anytime soon. So that's Theo's guy. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like Francona in Boston. You know what I mean? That was Theo's guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are two of Francona and Madden are two of my favorite managers. They, Francona probably number one. I love Theo Francona. I love him. I think he's the most baseball guy. Like he. To me, Theodore Francona, he, he is the most analytic. He's the best balance between an analytic manager and a player's manager. He's got the mix, as does Madden. Yes. Like, he'll shift, he'll do all this stuff, use the bullpen, blah, blah, blah. But he's also, when you, when you hear him on interviews and stuff, just a baseball guy. You know what I mean? Yes. So he, they have that mix of, like, just that old-school kind of baseball manager, but also they understand the analytics and what goes into 162 games. I like guys like that. You talk about me, Johnny? Well, I hear that. That was Tito. That's my, that's my Chris Russo rant. 
<laughs> yeah, that that was Tito just walking into the background there. But um, thanks, Tito, for the input. <laughs> anyway, true story. I've actually met Tito. Really? Um, I was at Tribe Fest with my drinking buddies who are Indians fans. I just went just just for the heck of it. What what the heck? Drink, have fun. Here I am in a in a line with um, Tito Francona's. Um, Terry Francona's pasta sauce about to get it signed by Terry Francona and I talked to him for a, for a little bit nice so I think I even I was telling him um he he knows John Morosi as well John Morosi and I call each other the Garber sports guys of course I'm the other Garber sports guy <laughs> I like Morosi Morosi's really good so so John if, if ever you're listening to the show Come on, this come on the Scorecrow podcast with me and Johnny and all those guys. We'd have a lot of fun. <clears throat> so NL Central, it's crazy, as we know. Um, divi- divisional games are going to decide this. This as pretty blatantly obvious, staying the obvious there. But um, it's an interesting trade with the Cubs now with Maldonado. They have a third catcher. Who knows what they're going to actually do with that? Perhaps a, a replacement for double switches. Montgomery has faltered a little bit, so I could understand that trade uh, now that we've dissected it a little bit. Um, Cubs, I I would say the Cubs need a pitcher and a bat. I guess another one more bullpen piece would be awesome, and another bat. I would say I would I would prefer the bat over the pen right now because you've got Kimbrel. With Kimbrel, you have that ninth inning locked down. But, of course, C-Sheck and Strope have not been themselves so far. So you might need that bullpen piece as well. I would value bat over pen, but I would be okay with pen. Um, as for Milwaukee, besides the fact that I think Christian Yelich is a bum, that's just that's just one man's opinion. <laughs> probably, probably very Cubs-aided. When I say yeah, that, I bias too much. <laughs> but um, Brewers, I think they need another bat. Um, yes, they have Yelich, but what Christian Yelich at home is a he man. Christian Yelich on the road is just another guy. <laughs> yeah, I think they need a starter. They need a starter. Okay. I think that this is what hurt them last year against the Dodgers, is they didn't have that guy. They had Chassin, Woodruff pitched well, but I could I could honestly, because they're, they're another team that's in a position sort of like the Twins, is that they have a lot of depth in their minor league system. Mm-hmm. They could afford to move a good piece and a couple other pieces and give the Giants some depth. Bumgarner. So I could see I think personally, I think the top two teams for Bumgarner are the Twins and the Brewers, because I think they have the depth in their organization, which San Francisco needs, because they have crap in their division. I mean, in their organization, other than Joey Bart and Helio Ramos, they have like nothing in their minor league system that's anywhere close to like a top one hundred prospect. So I think the Brewers and the Twins are the ones that have the depth of their organization where they can move multiple pieces, even without giving up like a blue chip, 
like I said, like a Royce Lewis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Brewers aren't giving up like a Keston Hee or, or anyone like that. But the depth of their organizations, I think, fits the Giants because they can give up, say, three, four guys for a Bumgarner, even if it's a rental. Because they can afford to do that because they'll be giving up three, four guys where they have depth and those three, four guys don't need to be blue chip prospects. So the Twins and Brewers can hang on to their big guys in the minors and still get a guy like Bumgarner to move into their playoffs. Well, so yeah. I think, the, I think the Brewers are a top, they're a top runner for Bumgarner. Actually, yeah, Bumgarner would actually be a perfect fit for the Brewers because that's because Bumgarner is describes who who the Brewers are in my opinion. A bunch of bums. I just think he wanted he wanted to face Arietta on the Cubs. That made the playoffs. Yeah, um, <laughs> Theo, nice job signing you over Arietta. That's worked. So far, <laughs> Arietta hasn't been. He's been meh. He's been Baltimore Jake Arietta. Yeah, kind of. And he hasn't been that great. Darvish will be. Darvish has to stay healthy. I mean, the guy just seems to, like, you know, seems to get hurt. You see, he's got to stay healthy. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, with that being said, that's the Wild Wild Central. We've broken down the divisions. The second half preview, you got a lot to expect coming up at the trade deadline. Of course, we're going to have a Cubs show with Ricotta tomorrow night. Um, and also, we're going to have another MLB show around August 1st. It's going to feature our guests that we have on tonight, as always, Scorecrow Johnny Black. And we're gonna have a trade. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna break down the major trades of July because this this year, unlike other years, July thirty first is it. Yeah, you get That's one. Right. Um, uh, as Eminem quoted, "You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance." That's it. So That's it, no non waiver trade deadline. So. So to be ready for July 31st, because that show come early August is going to be something else with hopefully more than Johnny Black. But of course, me and Johnny have filled up over an hour of your time. So we've <laughs> we've done a good job as far as fill as filling in content for you. <laughs> yeah, we have no problem talking, Tom. <laughs> of course, <laughs> part of the scorecrow. So with that being said. I will ask the most, the famed final question on every podcast. Is there anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Not too much. Just uh, follow us at the Scorecrow on Twitter. Uh, we're at the Scorecrow everywhere else: Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, wherever you're going to find us. The Scorecrow. Um, Tom writes for us, does his podcast. We have our own podcast, Too Much Podtar. Check that out, Alex Keelar. At Kilar Scorecrow does um does those podcasts, and we're pretty much all over the place right now. We got everything going on. We we got football is going to be kicking into high gear in the next couple weeks too. So I mean we have top notch fantasy 
football guys, and we do DFS every day for baseball. So check us out for all that stuff. Yes, definitely. And not to be too self-promoting here, but every time I've asked Johnny about how my articles have done, he's given me very positive positive feedback. And, you know, I would, I would always expect, to, you know, you got to tighten up this, got to tighten up that, but he really hasn't said much of that to me either. I guess I'm just that good. So um, whenever I got an article out that I retweet, take a moment and read it. Because apparently I've got I've got the touch. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's been good. It's been real good. Yeah, and honestly, um, part of my, my style is that of, if you've ever read ESPN, um, Ryan McGee's stuff. Ryan McGee always has this zinger. Like, if you ever... If you ever read his bottom 10, I think it's just hilarious. Now, I don't go that far in terms of my hilarity. I try to keep things professional on my in my end because, you know, I'm trying to network myself for the professional crowd, but I always have that that moment that gets you laughing and that keeps you keeps you interested in reading the article. And hopefully that's that's been a success at the score crow. <laughs> yeah, the, the articles like I told you before. The articles have been great. And I've edited, trust me, I've edited hundreds and hundreds of articles. We've put out, I think, the Scorecrow's put out past year plus, put out about 1,700 articles already. And trust me, your stuff is good. No doubt. So Professional, it's, it's well written. Not a lot of editing has to be done. So, which is always a good thing. There we go. And also, one last side note: um, whenever you have a picture, a photo from Family Guy as your your cover photo, you know that's going to get clicks. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that was great. That was a great one. <laughs> so maybe that's the secret to getting more views: is Family Guy photos. <laughs> yeah, you got to be creative, man. Yeah, that's it. Just get creative. You know. <laughs> there we go. In an hour, I want to piss away twenty grand. What are you gonna bet on the Knicks? <laughs> or the Mets? Yeah. <laughs> Too bad for my boy Mike Schneid at MS Schneid, Mike Drop Sports. He was one of my first podcast guests for Apple. Um he's a Mets Knicks um Jets fan, I believe, as well. It's like shoot me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, you know the the mess. I I don't understand what the Mets do. I I just don't. Nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even. I can't even explain it with the Mets anymore. This I told my we... buddy, my buddy the mage. Um, he actually, my buddy the mage, his tweet, um, in the New York Post. I saw that. Yeah. He had it in the New York Post, yeah, which was pretty cool. But he's a uh, he's a Giants fan, but um, he's down in New Jersey, um, North Arlington. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's a Mets fan too. And I was talking to him last week about the Mets, and it's just like, dude, it, it, it's, it might be just time to blow it up. Just blow it up at this point. Because they keep going backwards. They made it to the World Series in 2015, and they lost to the Royals. They've just been going backwards ever since. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they just can't, you can't get out of their own way. You know, Brody Van Wagen throwing the chair and stuff like that. It's just getting insane now. You know, 
blow it up. Mm-hmm. Trade Syndergaard. Trade. You have to trade Wheeler because he's on his contract's over. So you have to trade him. Trade Syndergaard too. So yes, I've I believe I've made my or I've got my Giants podcast guest for Lions Giants coming up later this year. So Madge, if you're listening to the show, DM me. Let's collaborate for Lions Giants in October. So there we go. Uh, follow us at the Scorecrow Tom TV twenty three at Jball zero two zero two. Yes, I begged and begged and begged him to give me money for the All Star game. He wouldn't do it. Damn it. <laughs> you had to laugh at that when you looked at it. <laughs> Maybe next year. We'll see. Maybe next year. If we can get some sponsors for the scorecard, maybe. <laughs> that, would, that would be something else. So he is Johnny Black. This has been another great MLB show, and this has been the Tom Green Podcast.